Thank you for joining us today at River City Church, a church living in love. If you have a prayer need, would like to speak to a pastor, or have questions about today's message, please email us at info at rivercitysmyrna.com. For more information or to give to the ministries of River City Church, please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. God. psalm together if y'all all could stand um, we're going to be reading psalm 23 all right the lord is my shepherd i shall not want he makes me lie down in green pastures he leads me beside still waters he restores my soul he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. The rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God, I thank you so much um, how you lead us beside still quiet waters. Lord, I pray that we not be a people um, that pitch a tent in the valley. God, that that we look to your rod and your staff, God, to comfort us in those moments, Lord, and that we carry on out of the valley, God. Um, you don't promise to keep us there, God, but you promise to take us out. So, Lord, I pray for those who may feel like they're in the valley, God, um, and I pray for those who maybe have pitched their tent, God, that they pack up and they continue on, God, with you as their leader and their guide. Lord, I pray we step into freedom this morning, a freedom um, to be who we really and truly are, God, that we take off our mask, Lord, and we worship you fully. God, may this be a time um, of peace, Lord, that surpasses all of our understanding that your peace just blow our mind this morning, that we can't comprehend it, God. We thank you for your beauty. We thank you for your love. Lord, thank you for community and family and the strength to be vulnerable, God. And 
thank you for this time, and I thank you that you are already here in our midst, God. Lord, we give this time to you. We thank you for all that you're going to say and do and what you have already done. Lord, we love you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I would love for you all to look at me for a minute. I feel like the Father wants you to know that you are so brave. This group of people is so brave. I have seen you push through sickness and loss and pain and financial lack, losing loved ones. And you are brave. God is with you and he is in you. You have jumped ship for the deeper waters. You have pushed through deeper into the life of God, and he is at work in you and with you and through you. Yes. He wants you to know that. Amen. Yes, Lord. And for however much I feel so humbled and proud to know you and to stand with you and to yes. hold your hands and to watch you do amazing things for the kingdom, he is so much more proud of you. He is so proud that you still show up, even though this world is broken, and even though some of you have experienced such tragedy and loss. You are here. You have shown up. And he is proud of you. And so, God, we say thank you, because it is only in you and through you and through each other that we show up. We don't give up. But you have made us brave beyond any bravery we could have summoned up. You have made us stronger. You have given us a grace that we could never come up with on our own. You have healed our hearts. And you have sat with us in our doubt and in our questions. They have never made you nervous. And so we draw deep from this well that never runs dry. And we drink of the living water of God so that we can go out and do it more and do it again and be even braver. Jesus. Jesus. We love you. There is no one like you. We will follow after you through the valley because you have made us brave. Oh, in Jesus' name, amen. So I'm just going to follow up with what Bill jumped into last week. We're preaching through Mark. Um, it's one of the Gospels. Stories about Jesus, there's four of them. You've got to pay attention to that. Why is there four of them? Um, it's not just one view. It's not just a book of facts or why would there be four. Um, it's perspectives, and it's the way that people perceive Jesus' ministry on earth, and they, they all write it through stories that have been passed down. This week, we're going to be preaching through uh, 421 through 441, and then next week, we're going to jump into the demoniac or legion, which is crazy. It's a crazy story. Um, this week we get to spend some time in some parables. We get to spend some time talking about the seed 
And last week, they talked about the soil. So last week, the soil was really important for receptivity to the seed, right? Like, we know about that. This week, it's about the seed and the nature of the seed. So before we jump in spiritually to anything about the seed and Jesus, we all have heard a lot about this already. We understand God uses things about nature to talk to us. It's pretty known. And so sometimes, again, we read a story and we have to, like, erase our minds a little bit and rethink of what's happening. Because for them, him showing up and talking about seed and soil is not what they expected. They're following Jesus around. We're in chapter 4 now. They've already been seeing miracles. He's already been distancing himself from people needing a miracle right now so that he can speak into them. And so they're showing up and they're listening and Jesus decides to talk about soils and seeds. And I just think, honestly, probably some of them are like, is there like another session we can go to? This must be the seed soil session. And they probably want something else. And Jesus purposefully talks about seed, right? So just first, just a seed, simply a seed. Think of a seed. I don't have one in my hand. I was going to find one. But you don't know that because it's small, right? Seeds are small. Just a seed, right? Pretend like you know nothing about nature and how growth works and somebody shows you a seed and then says, and then points at one of those trees and says, this will become that. You'd be like, what? Pretend like you know nothing. That doesn't even make sense, all right? That's one of those, I think that it's one of those God hacks. Like, it makes sense to us, but really, like, this seed will become that. And many different seeds will become different things. So there's like a wiring within seeds, and it always starts small, the seed. It always goes into soil. You don't throw a seed up in the air and, like, make it stay, and then all of a sudden it sprouts. It's always the same. A seed goes into what? Soil. And then what has to be added to it? Water and sunshine. It's like, it's just going to happen. And it's going to happen. It's definitely going to happen. Whatever you water and bring, it's, there's not like a, a batch of seeds that are good seed that hits soil and just doesn't grow. There's a reason, right? Like, but it always has a process. It doesn't go from that to that. Let me just ask a really honest question. I probably should have thought through this. Do, do seeds make trees? Or is it just like fruit? Okay. <laughs> Somebody in here is like, you don't, that doesn't happen. See, I don't know a lot about it. I just know that it's going to happen. I know that if you plant a seed, something's coming, right? Like, so we, we've all heard spiritual stories about seeds. Like, I was listening to a song this morning about, let the seeds of peace be scattered. Let the seeds of peace be scattered so that it may grow, right? Like, Jesus is peace. We just kind of know that. I know that in my yard, once a week, I have to cut it because it's growing, and it's, I can't walk into my yard and be like, I pray that you just stop growing. <laughs> Nature's going to happen, 100%. So when he starts to talk about seed to these people, and he starts to relate the kingdom of God, he could have talked in any way he wanted, right? Think of how gracious Jesus is, that he didn't just stand up and say, all of you guys are clueless, you need me, I save all. Why didn't he just say that, right? Why didn't he just speak the truth, right? Why didn't he just say it like it is? Why is he watering down Scripture? He is Scripture, right? Why does he talk differently to the disciples than the crowds? Why can't he say what he's saying to the disciples to the crowds? I do not personally love when, when we, guys like me, hide truths to make it comfortable. But when you read this passage, Jesus is not saying everything to the crowds. He speaks in parables to elicit spiritual awakeness 
He's trying to draw people out before being like, you guys are all idiots. And he doesn't even say that, ever. But the truth, at certain points, is not able to, to be received. That's crazy. I can already hear one of y'all being like, you just need to preach it, like, preach the word like it is. Well, what is like it is? Why are there four Gospels then? Shouldn't there just be one then? Why are there all these perceptions about Jesus? Because Jesus is trying to awaken in all of us, personally, something that will make us want to follow him. He also didn't stand up and say the kingdom of God is like ice cream, where you walk into a Baskin-Robbins and you choose whatever flavor you would like. Because it is good, right? It tastes good. He also didn't say every one of you are on your way to hell. Every one of you. He talked about seed. And he created a stir and made them think on it, right? I love that about him. I love that you don't just stand up and just, you just preach the word. I understand what people are saying. But there's so much more involved than that, right? If, you, if it's just the word, then we could all be Pharisees within, within a day, right? We could do that quickly. But if you have to interact with it in a way where word and spirit and community start to form you, it's much different. Something will happen in you that's not happening in me, and something will happen in you. And some of you are just seeds right now. And the seed of Jesus is just this big. And some of you are like trees for the kingdom right now. And so the way that he will interact with you will be differently, right? But it will be what you need. That's good stuff right there. So, so for me, um, I wanted to just have you guys close your eyes as we start. And this is such an important question. When did you hear from the Lord or something or someone where it stirred your heart so much that you thought, I've got to, I need to respond to that? What? What is this? Like, what's happening? Why is he speaking about seed? What? Where's the moment where spiritual perception was awakened? It didn't start in fear. didn't start in anxiety. Where's the moment where you felt like, okay, I, this is something, something's real with this. That's his goal. So, Father, right now, and everybody in this room, that we would just remember that when you start with us, it's not... You're not already angry. I just feel like you anticipate your interactions with us each day, every moment, each conversation. It's like you know exactly what needs to be said to each of us, and it's going to be probably different. Same for some. So we have to have these ears that hear, these eyes that see. And I thank you that we get to, we get to follow you, and you get to speak the truth that we need. And you don't say it in such a way that we can't receive it. So if anybody in here is dealing with shame, dealing with condemnation, dealing with you know that you're awful, I just pray that your voice would pierce through all those things to a place that reaches into our hope and our dreams and starts to pull those things forward so that we want to say, I'm dropping my nets, I'm leaving my tax collector business, I'm going to follow this guy. Where else can I go? But we don't get to where else can I go until we know that we want you and follow you and love you. So you speak to all of us in a way that makes sense but we still must throw ourselves onto you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, I'm going to read this. This is Mark 4, 21 through 41 from the ESV. Back up and back up and running. And he said to them, Is a lamp brought to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to, be, except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And if and said to them, pay attention to what you hear with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And still more will be added to you, for the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, 
even what has been taken away, even what he has has been taken away. Pause right there for a second. So just a little clarity on this part of this passage. These are like four pithy statements. Um, they're called the orphan statements of Jesus. They're kind of for any context, but spoken to one group. But I just want to clear something up for you. He's speaking this again to a group of people who really don't know who he is. So his first en route to them is just, just keep your eyes on me. Just listen. Just simple things that humans can do. You can look like, everybody look at me. Good. Good job, guys. Everybody listen to my voice. Can you hear me? Your first job as a crowd or someone to be hearing about Jesus is just to use those two senses. That's, your, that's the in route. It's not, he's not speaking to them like the disciples. He's just like, listen, perceive. And then he says, to whom, much is give, to whom there's some given, more will be given. And a little bit of like an idea of what he means here. It's not always a financial thing. I don't know why this, but when I start thinking of this, I start thinking of leadership and finance. I don't know. What, I think it's just the conferences I've been to. I think we just love money in America. So when we talk about too much is given, we're thinking, I'm, I'm going to get some money, and then I'm going to get more. And that is the kingdom. Amen. No, it's like this. Too much is given, you'll have more. Bill, I'm not even, gonna, I'm not even interacting with Bill now. I'm not even doing it. We should go back to law. I'm mean, just kidding. So, so you learn your alphabet, right? To whom much is given, much more will be given. When you learn your alphabet, you now are able to talk a language, correct? When you work out, you're now able to do more. When an ox or a bull or whatever they use to pull things in the Old Testament and the New Testament, <laughs> when their load is the same for a while, it begins to grow. To whom much is given, more. So the idea of practicing and chewing on and focusing on. So seeing and hearing and continuing to see and hear. You'll get to a spiritual place where you can bear more of a burden. It's not just about money, guys. And I know a lot of you are like, but I think the money would be great. It's great. Like, that's not what it's about. It's about like playing baseball for five years and then being better at it and being more opportunities open up. It's about studying a language so that now you can teach it and your influence grows. It's about understanding Jesus so well that it's not so much about receiving anymore, but you're like a tree who is shooting out seeds. I don't know that they do it like that, again, but it feels like they probably shoot out seeds. It goes from there to there. So to whom much is given, more, and to whom, to whom has some but doesn't, doesn't flex those muscles, it's taken away. Anybody who's ever lifted any weight in their life understands this. If you stop working out, you stop being strong. If you stop practicing a language you're trying to learn, you forget about it. I learned like four Hispanic songs, um, Spanish songs. I'm just going to get myself in trouble here. And I, I can still remember a little bit of them. And this, maybe, see if this even is actually a song. Does anybody here speak Spanish? Okay. Roca eternal, eres tu, eres tu. Is that, is that good? Is that something? What does that mean? Okay, what about this Santidad? Santidad is lo que busco. What does that mean? Yeah. Holiness. You know the song, though. Christian hack. I see you. So I'll be, I'll be honest with you. I went on a mission trip to Spain when I was like 18, and we had to learn 15 songs. I had to learn the sinner's prayer. I could have been praying the opposite of the sinner's prayer to people. No idea what I was praying. But I learned it. I didn't understand it, but I had this capacity to sing songs. I stood in front. I'm not a worship leader. I stood in front of congregations in Spain and led worship with songs I didn't even understand. I do not remember 
half of those songs. So the things that, I, and I honestly didn't even have the like, capacity or desire to, to learn that language. Not that it's a bad language, it's great, but, but just, but athletics, I wanted to be better at that. As soon as I stopped, I'm not as athletic anymore, right? Like, so spiritually speaking, he's trying to say to them, I am here, I'm Jesus. Perceive me, look upon me, not just read my word, sense me. What am I doing? Hear me. If you have ears to hear, that's like the simplest, anybody understands that. Just, you got ears? Like you're talking to a two-year-old. Who has ears? Point to your ears. Use them. Just simple stuff. So the entrance into this is like simple stuff. Can you see? Can you hear? Continue to look and see. And over time, what you have will begin to grow. If you decide to stop looking and seeing and sensing, it will fade, right? And then he goes directly into what I'm going to spend a few minutes on, this, these parables, right? And, and as Bill said last week, a, peril, a parable is meant to like draw things out of people. It's, different things can come in. It's kind of a vanilla idea of a story that draws you in, that you can relate to something in it, but it's not so specific that it's just facts. And so that's what's happening here. So, and, and this is verse 26. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground... He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. Pause here. This past week, I was at Porchlight, one of the best restaurants in our city. And I was studying, because I study at lunch. And one of the, the people that worked there was like, what are you reading? Are you studying for something? I was like, well, I'm preaching this Sunday at the church upstairs. And um, preaching about soils and seeds. And I was trying to make the conversation unawkward. Whenever somebody finds out you're a pastor, it just gets, it only goes awkward from there. It's like, oh, you're a pastor. Nice to meet you. Um, and then the guy next to me was like, well, you want to know how soils work? It's, it's a mathematical equation. I was like, I'm already way out of my league right now. I'm already have no idea. Whatever he's about to say, I'm going to agree with. He was like, well, it's a mathematical equation. I was like, that's exactly what I was trying to say to her. But she didn't get it, evidently. So evidently, mathematics is soil. I don't understand it, but it sounds great, right? I don't think anybody really knows. I'm going to be honest with you. Like... I honestly think, as this says, he knows not how. Another statement about it, like, you know not how, talking to two-year-olds, like, put seed in dirt. I remember when I was literally in kindergarten, they gave me a seed, I put it in soil, and it grew over three weeks, and I thought it was the most fantastic thing that had ever happened. I put it in my window until I killed it, like we all our kids do. (laughs) But you can see it daily, just grows, and like all of a sudden, it doesn't even make sense. Right? Our best attempt at this are the little dinosaurs in capsules that we put in water, and we freak out. That's our best attempt at mimicking Jesus. Our be- you could, there's a little dinosaur or something that's going to grow, and we, we just know they've shrunk it down somehow, right? It's not. It's a seed. And the seed, when inserted in the soil, is going to produce, period, period. So, moving on. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the, then the full grain in the ear, but when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in, puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. We love harvest, man. Come on, right? Harvest, baby. Harvest Jubilee. Come on, right? Who likes Jubilee? Who even knows what it is? But it sang songs about it. We love some Jubilee, right? Man, it's the year of Jubilee. This is the year of Jubilee. It's the year of the favor of the Lord as far as I'm concerned. We love harvest. Do we love seed planting time? Here's, here's a little serious curveball. What's more important, the harvest or the seed planting? Is the harvest coming without the seed planting? 
is the part when the, it has to have water and nobody's cheering, nobody's dancing around fires talking about Jubilee? Like, are people dancing around the seed talking about, it's not the year of Jubilee, it's the year of not seeing growth, it's the year of being in pain, it's the year of waiting for good things. Nobody's singing about that, right? <laughs> it's only harvest. We love harvest, right? We love harvest. Doesn't come. Doesn't come without soil, seed, and patience. And I'll go as far to say, it's, it's not more important than this part. It's not. Let's start making songs about seed planting. Nobody's going to be singing those. House Fires is not redoing that, for sure. Like, like, and I say that to say, and I, I told our elders this morning, they're praying for me, I might get off here, and I'm cool with that. I say that to say many of us despise the times that aren't harvest, but even in relation to the year of Jubilee, there are 49 other years. Is the only important year the 50th? Even in your friends and family, the people who happen to be in year seven, the people whose seed you haven't seen yet, if Jesus has been scattered, it's coming. And it's not just important when harvest comes. It's important when you don't see the growth. It's important. It's, I think it's even more important, to be honest with you. Because that soil, that seed, doesn't know that this is coming. Because there's a group of us that are just waiting for harvest. Come on! And there's a group of us that are so focused that seed will only ever be seed. It's never going to grow. So those people need to see we're working towards this. But even at harvest, your job then is to die and restart. You don't go from harvest to second harvest. There's going to be some crazy theology that comes out. We're preaching through third harvest right now. It's the year of Juba Jubilee. No. That's what Jesus did. He sent, as, according to Revelation, he sent as the seed to the earth, which is the soil. He comes and dies. And because of his death, Right? Because of his death, it's scattered all across. And now we have little versions of the kingdom that were not there. So globally it has grown. And individually in each of us, he scatters the seed. And he asks us not to despise when we're not like a tree, when we're like a seed. And he asks us not to turn away from the soil and the sunlight when we don't see the results. And he says patience is what you need. And he gets in a boat to distance himself from healing because you'd crush him if it were harvest. And he says, wait, what I have is more important for you. Wait, do you want to be a strong tree? Do you want to be strong? It's going to be him doing it because man knows not how. Man be dumb. <laughs> Jesus be not dumb. <laughs> he knows exactly what you need, exactly where you're at. So our job is to present ourselves to him. Right? And then the next part, and he said, with, with what can we compare the kingdom or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when it's sown in the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the green plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them. And as they were able to hear it, he, and this is beautiful. When I was reading this passage, for some reason, sometimes I read a sentence and I'm like, there's something really big there, but I have no idea what it means. And then I have to trust the Lord to show me, and this was the one. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. So he chums the water in this community of multitudes of people that are looking for healing and their blessing right now. And he distances himself and he speaks about stinking soil and seeds. And then... 
he takes the group of people who are already following him, the ones that have said yes and are like, I've given up everything already, and he gathers those people away from the crowds and speaks plainly in community about the word. Says it like it is. Like, we all want that, right? Like, I don't know why that bothers me. You just need to say it like it is. No, because Jesus didn't say it like it was. He's had wisdom, and he cared for people to know what their situation was. And he sensed what was happening before. He could hear people's thoughts in the other chapters. And he spoke to those. It wasn't just, you going to hell? Would you like to be saved? Well, I mean, this literally happened to Bill yesterday. Like, we had a conversation about it. Somebody was doing evangelism. That's great. Bill, I love Bill. He said he's trying to start, strike up his conversation with the people. They didn't, they didn't care for that. It was, you going to hell? Bill was like, no, they said, are you 100% sure going to heaven? And I told him I would have said, I'm 100% sure like 60% of the time. <laughs> Just to see what they did with it. Just chew on it a little bit. But Bill didn't do that. He just asked them personal questions. How are your friends doing? Do you have friends? What are, the, what are their struggles? You ask, what are their struggles, right? Like, and here's the reason why it's important. I'm not, I'm not saying that that ministry will not produce fruit, but I am saying if you, if you re- refuse to bring in the Spirit's wisdom for the situations that you're in, it is not a cookie-cutter gospel. It is not one-size-fits-all. Please, theologian in the room, like, did you just say that Jesus is not... I'm not saying that. I'm saying Jesus is so pliable. He's even talked about as water, and that fills different areas differently, right? And has different forms. It can be gas, and it can be hard ice, and it can be... Jesus is that way in this book. He moves in such a way that he speaks what you need, not what you want, and he gives it to you at the right time. And it's always saying, do you have ears and can you see? It's not saying, will you finally... Listen to what I'm saying. He's saying, do you have ears and can you see and perceive me? Where you're at will grow. Don't turn from me right now. Throw your eyes upon me. He's not upset. He's not angry with them. He even draws the disciples in who know to explain it, which means they didn't even get it. So the disciples are standing next to him and he's talking about soils and seeds and he's like going in and they can sense the crowd's like, okay, okay, so seeds, woohoo. And the disciples are like, see, yeah. Exactly what he's saying is what we've been trying to say, too. And he sits down with them, and they're like, what have you been saying? I don't have a clue either. We've been following you. What are you talking about? He had to even explain it to the deep, right? The, the trick with the Pharisees is that they decided they did not need to listen to Jesus. They had some good stuff going, but their big flaw, I'm locked where I'm at. My theology is set. Their theology turned the Savior away. So the big difference in the disciples is they would listen, and they would interact, and he would take and explain, and they'd be like, yeah, you're right, we did not understand. We didn't, and now we're going to listen and keep our eyes on you, because throughout history, and even from here on, it will only be about keeping our eyes on you. You can't lock into these four laws. You can't lock into this certain way. There are non-negotiables. I would say, namely, Jesus, and we can gather around him, and we're going to in a little bit. But he sees us differently than we even see ourselves. And he says things start small in the kingdom. Right? We want, we see these big ministries. We see these great marriages that have been like 50 years strong. Like, that's what we want. And Jesus is like, I want that too. You're not there. You need to be present where you're at. 
Be present where you're at. Don't despise small beginnings. Don't despise the kingdom starts in small places, especially in your lives. Look around your life. Who in your life is not producing fruit? Have you prayed into their life? And I'm not saying you should be praying because I think we should. But if you have ever cast a prayer towards someone and meant it, you can believe that the kingdom is somewhere. Jesus is somewhere. He has started something. And we don't know specifically our part. Even in 1 Corinthians 3, it talks about one waters, right? One plants. And then whose job is it to make it grow? God's job. So we're always perceiving, seeing, sensing, hearing. For every situation we're in personally, starting with us, God, your, your kingdom has been planted in me. How do you want it to grow? I do not know how seed grows, as it says, but you do. And so we continually throw ourselves on Jesus. And if you're not in the year of Jubilee, don't despise the year you're in. And don't tell everybody else they have to be in the year of Jubilee. That's probably just because you don't know how to not be in Jubilee. And you feel like you're awful if you're not. That's one out of 50 years. Like 1 50th is 2% of 100. 2% of that equation is like dancing from the movie Prince of Egypt. When they're just like, lie, 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 lie. The rest of it is things like sensing, perceiving, understanding the soil, not being mad at the hard soil, but figuring out God still loves that soil. How do we, how do we interact with this? The other parts is like, what's happening to me? I'm not preaching yet. God told me I was going to preach, right? Right. Like, it's got to make room for the time when Jesus does his deepest work. His deepest work. Don't despise where you're at. Put your eyes on him, right? And he gives us a story to end this, and then we're, in, we're finishing. And I preached on this about a year ago. You can search through the podcast that I know you all listen to always. Um, but I preached deeply on this one about being in the boat, and I'm just going to read it to you. On, the, on that day, the same day, when the evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side, and leaving the crowd, they took him with them in a boat just as he was. And other boats were with him. I love how from the third chapter, there's one boat and Jesus was in it, and now the now like the, the boats have like circled. I think of like Georgia and all the rednecks in Georgia. Like they have motorboats. If it was now, we have motorboats out there, pontoon boats. People be following Jesus around. So now their one boat is like a cluster of boats that would totally happen in Georgia. Jasper, Georgia, you better believe it. Guys be in camo. Where's Jesus going? We're going. Have their guns out. Jesus is like, you put the guns away. We're just going to talk. Jesus in Georgia. And a great, so here, stay with me. I'm sorry, guys. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said, teacher, they rebuke him. They rebuke Jesus. I love that he creates space for this, right? Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Jesus, we look back. We just said the same junk to him. Do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind. Of course, rebukes nature. We see here the same nature that produces soil that helps grow. Jesus has the power to stop. What? And he said to the sea, see, peace be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. And he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear. And he said to, and they said to one another, who is this? that even the wind and the sea obey him. I love chapters 1, 2, and 3. They kept saying, what is this when he would show up to preach? Remember we talked about that? Man is the word for what is this. They kept saying, what is this? They've now transitioned from the statement, 
what is this to who is this? And this is maybe the biggest transition that can happen in your spirituality. What is this to who is this? To where he begins to show you it's him. And it's him and you. And your proximity to him gives you space to be in a storm and see it wrongly. To be in a storm and perceive it incorrectly. The point of this story isn't, you idiots, Jesus is more powerful than the storm. The point of the story is, in the storm, when we do the dumb thing, we can run and throw ourselves upon a sleeping Jesus. So don't feel weight, but sense that as they walk with him, they begin to throw themselves on him, seeing, sensing, hearing what Jesus is doing and his words to them. Peace, be still to the storm to them. Why have you not grown in faith yet? I don't even think he's accusing them as much as drawing attention to where their Jesus seed is. And it's okay. So, Father, I'm just going to pray for you guys. We know that you, that you are the seed. And to these people... You hadn't died yet. To us, the seed has been firmly planted in the soil of the earth and the soil of the people. We see it and sense it and see it all around us. So as we interact with your parables in the same way that the crowds did, what specific truth is drawn out when, when our hearts have questions? And I just want you to be okay with whatever question your heart produces right now. What question is your heart producing? He wants that interaction with you. What question is your heart producing? He'll take you into a space and interact with you and speak plainly to you. He'll speak in a way that will land in you as long as you want him to be the one speaking. So where are you at? Are you in a crowd hearing a parable? All he wants to do is draw you. He's not looking to keep you away. God, please let the people in this room that just need to be drawn to you Step away from religion and all the rules and all the things they've done wrong and just sense this man, this man is pulling me in. Are you walking with Jesus and he's taking you to a deeper place and he's trying to meet with you? Notice that he's drawing community around you. It's no longer just about your perception of him. It's about you and community with believers in the body chewing on Jesus together. And from this moment on, when you get to this spot in your Christianity, it will no longer be you on your own. You are now body. Your gifts are not your own. They belong to the earth and your body, the body of Christ. They're a gift in you to give. Your calling is not your own. I'll even go as far to say as your relationships are not your own. It's no longer about you. It's about them. You're on the process to dying. You're on the way to dying. And each of these disciples had this transition. They kept walking and walking and walking until they died. And each of their lives became the seeds planted that start movements. Are you in a boat? And this is where I really sense some people are today. And it's not even really related to the main point. I'm cool with that. Jesus knows better than me. You feel the storms all around you. You are sinking as someone actually prophesied in this room over here before service. And they actually had somebody, somebody on our worship team had a dream last night that people were sinking and that in the dream she noticed another person there in the water with them that was at peace. There wasn't clarity about the perception of who that was, but they thought it meant the people. I kind of think it means Jesus. That where you are in your sunkenness and, and feeling in over your head, 
you can rest assured that Jesus is there. Scream your screams. Have your fearful moments. He is not angry with those. But know and be confident that he is with you. It will be what sustains you. Not the outcomes of test results. Not what someone says. He is with you. You might not be in Jubilee, but you're on your way there. So Jesus, we thank you that you are here. If we can have the worship team come up. As I prayed this week, I felt like the Lord wanted this place to be a transparent place. A place where you came before him as you really are. I even see a picture in my mind of you taking off masks and and it being okay for you to be who you are here. I'll just tell you, there's no person in here who is going to shock me. And we don't need you to do anything up here. It doesn't need to happen up here. It doesn't need to be be a show. But for Jesus, you you got to know that he sees the real you and is okay with that you in the interaction. Just give him space. So, Father, today, as we come before your table to take the elements, remind us that this is the moment when everything changed and that it's available today. We invite your presence into this place. We invite your peace into this place. For all those sinking right now, I pray that they would sense you close. In Jesus' name. Love you guys. God, I pray that as as we go, that you go before us, you go with us, that you're in us, God, that we would perceive what you're doing. Thank you for the gift of this community. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us today. And please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.